the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Business 1440 KYCR. Golden Valley. A service of Salem Media Group. Streaming worldwide at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. A CDC panel is sent to meet on Tuesday to vote on COVID-19 vaccine priorities. A panel established by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention will meet Tuesday to vote on how initial supplies of the COVID-19 vaccine will be distributed. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices will meet to recommend who should be first to be vaccinated once there is approval for a vaccine. The panel's recommendations are almost always followed. That is Mike Grazia reporting. Meanwhile, cases are on the rise in the land of Lincoln, as Andrew Stewart reports. Illinois has risen to more than 12,000 deaths from COVID-19. The state has also surpassed the 700,000 mark for confirmed coronavirus infections. The latest 1,000 deaths were recorded in just nine days. That is Andrew Stewart reporting. This is SRN News. Here are the facts. Your business needs leads and sales. There are potential customers online right now looking for what you do. Will they find you or your competitor? You need Salem Surround. Having to do your own digital marketing while trying to manage your business, well, there's just not enough time in the day. You need Salem Surround. You're doing all you can to market your business, but are you sure you have the right strategy or seeing a great return on investment? You need Salem Surround. The marketing team here at Salem Surround is ready to help your business now. We'll design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies, using everything in our toolkit to work for you. Digital, audio, mobile, even audience engaging contests and promotions. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshares. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, well, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, founder and CEO of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sounds crazy, right? Well, the crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-881-4242. 800-881-4242. The following program was pre-recorded. The Wall Street Business Network is on the air. The predatory nature now of global capitalism, it's just completely unrestricted. There's no constraints. These are wild times. 
It's the King Banyan Show. We want to create jobs. The quickest way to do it is to provide more food stamps. Government is that fiction whereby everybody believes that he can live at the expense of everybody else. As an educator and former legislator. And that is the free lunch myth. Professor Banyan steps out of the classroom and onto the airwaves to break down the local and national economic news that matters to you. Hip, hip, hooray. Unemployment is down. We're in an age where where common sense sounds esoteric. It's the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Unfortunately, economists' words carry relatively little weight in politics. Now, here's King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. This is 1440, second hour of our show, of our uh, pre-Thanksgiving weekend uh, show, and um, you probably might, you you possibly will hear this again on Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving weekend too, because I'm super excited to bring back, we had John, we've not had John on in some time, uh, and um, I just, uh, I just love having him on. John Spry, professor of economics at the University of St. Thomas, um, is with us. Yes, that that sound, by the way, is the is the spry light, um, which uh, sounds remarkably like something from Star Wars. Not positive about that, but but anyway, John. Good morning. How are you? Happy happy to be with you. And I've been thinking a lot, obviously, about COVID nineteen and infections, but also the informational problem associated with this pandemic that I think we don't talk about enough. Yeah, I think, and I think that's a really, really good illustration of that. But, you know, you gave me a couple questions and I, 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 that we might talk about, but I'm going to start with the one that's really at the fundamental, it's, to me it's one of the fundamental principles of economics. When you explain to a first-year econ student what it means to think about, at, about thinking at the margin, how do you explain that to them, John? Oh, um, I try to, it depends. If they understand calculus, it's really, it's really easy. Uh, okay, so assume calculus they don't. Is, a, is, about, <laughs> is about change. Yes, and yes it is. so um, uh, I usually have some kind of activity in normal times that involves candy. And they start seeing that, like, the marginal benefit of their candy really drops after you've had a couple particularly if it's just one kind of candy. Um, uh, Sometimes we can talk about what people were doing last night at the bars in St. Paul, which apparently got a lot of news attention, uh, which is we could talk about the value of having another beer. And at Mm -hmm. first it's really good, but at some point you really wouldn't want to have uh, many more beers. So, um, think, thinking about the margin as I try to get them to also use the word incremental, because economists use margin a lot, but incremental makes more sense or just one more round of beer for everybody in the bar. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? And how does that change from 8 p.m. to, say, uh, 1.30 in the morning when you've already had a lot? So as you think about uh, COVID, COVID restrictions, John Spry, and you're thinking about this, the orders that have come down from uh, the governor, uh, Governor Walz, this week. 
How would thinking at the margin uh, be applied to how you might craft the the orders that they issued? Well, you would you you would like with uh, with the virus to to get a virus under control. You would need, on average, everybody that has the virus to spread it to less than one person. So you're trying to figure out what can we do to avoid the situations that spread the virus. And and there are lots of ways of of doing this. A vaccine is going to be really helpful in the future because that's going to mean somebody that has a live infection comes in contact with somebody and the virus doesn't spread because that second person is vaccinated. But now you can think about, for example, with restaurants, uh, rather than thinking at the margin, I think we've kind of done like a blunt a blunt solution where we're closing restaurants for four days, but we we did keep all the bars open and the bars were going until the 10 o'clock closing uh, pretty heavy in St. Paul uh, for a couple more days. So at the margin, you might think, would it have been helpful to to reduce activity at bars, maybe have limits on the number of people from diff- different households that can be together at the same bar or the bar rail um, earlier this week. And then think about how, how the virus is spreading. And this, this goes back to the informational thing. When, the, when coronavirus started, we kind of had ideas about how other viruses spread. But each virus is a little bit different in how long uh, it takes from when you were exposed to it to develop symptoms, how long you're infectious. And so there was a lot of information we didn't have. And I think over time, we've learned a lot of things. Uh, The Japanese have been using their three Cs, which is close, closed, and I don't know, not coughing but that would be bad too. And so the Japanese sort of focus has been avoid being in close contact uh, uh, in a closed space, not an outdoor space, in a a really tight space with people coughing and something else I can't remember. And so here um, for restaurants, it seems the risk is very, of the virus spreading, it's very, very different if uh, a family that is uh, living together as essentially their own bubble goes out to eat and you have like a mom and a dad and the kids at the table and everybody else is quite a uh, far away versus say uh, 12 guys in a fantasy football league gathering for three hours, eating, drinking without masks all around a big long table uh, from 12 different households. So, so that would be one way to get at it. So, I I I've heard that and I read that and I got to myself th- I got myself to thinking about what would be my argument against that. And and so this is devil's advocate. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying think of one of the issues I think comes up in a lot of this in my mind is the is the problem of dealing with a particular kind of transactions cost uh, to speak like an economist for a second, which is how do I enforce a mechanism where the four people sitting around the table we know to be from one household rather than three? Suppose 
suppose a a man, a woman, and two junior juniors, uh, two children show up, but it turns out that they're from three different households. Okay, um, uh, because maybe they're out on a date, and maybe maybe one of the children actually lives with a with a divorced parent. I I, I don't know. I'm making up a story. What is is the enforcement issues in this significant enough to cause a transaction cost problem such that maybe this what you think of as a more blunt instrument might be the best you can do given all the all the enforcement issues? I don't think so because uh, in in the back of my mind, the other detail I would add is regardless of the number of uh, right you're you're relying on people being honest and. Uh, mm-hmm. saying, look, we're all from the same household, um, I'll provide some evidence on that. Then secondly, um, I'd, I'd add a second thing for that transaction cost, which is under no circumstances can you have more than four adults. That would kind of prevent people from, right, if you have a household where, like, especially now you might have the parents and, say, the grandparents and the kids. Um, yeah. But... Um, there's also this question, and again, it's cold in Minnesota, but as Minnesotans, we think at the margin. And this time of year, one of those outdoor gas heaters is really valuable at the margin. When it's a 40-degree oh, yeah. day, one outdoor gas heater can turn at, uh, it's too cold to eat at a restaurant outside to, you know, if this is the only way I can go to a restaurant, I can eat outside. Yes. And so... Um, I, I, I would add to the one household per table rule uh, a much more enforceable transaction thing, which is no more than four adults per table to start with. And what I observed, because I did some thinking at the margin, and I actually probably went out to eat for meals that I otherwise would not have gone out to eat for meals by myself because I knew this restriction would be in place for four days and did what economists call intertemporal substitution. And what yes. I observed is um, uh, just the announcement that the restaurants were going to be closing had people really avoid the restaurants. So I wasn't normal by going out because of the restriction and like, I want to enjoy something I can't make at home. Um, it looks like people really stopped going to the restaurants in the last couple of days the bars, which may be a more likely place for transmission to happen, they 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 may not have had sort of the same reaction. But um, it's thinking at the margin, and one of the things I know you shared with me is at the margin, should we have the price controls that are being proposed by the Restaurant Association on delivery fees for third-party yeah. delivery companies? So let me uh, let me hold that to the next a, let that, let's hold that to the next segment. Piece. That's a, that that letter was really provocative, and I want to talk about that. But we'll talk about the next segment. The the Minnesota restaurants and and bars and the hospitality industry more generally is asking for support from the governor's office in return for having their businesses shut down for four more weeks, which I get. I'm just going to point one thing out about the bars that I saw. Uh, in individual bars here in the St. Cloud area, 
During the shutdown last time, a lot of the bars ended up having to throw away kegs of beer that they had tapped, and then the governor puts the order in. It comes so fast that they can't get the they can't uh, get the keg run out in time. Um, I saw a lot, a number of bars in our area selling one dollar tap beer, which is what, which is a, a tremendous deal for the kinds of beers that they're offering, because they knew in four weeks they'd have to just clear that out. Uh, and that too, to me, is not just thinking at the margin, but thinking about the fact that the once the keg is tapped, it's a sunk cost, right? So at that point, any money you can get out of that keg is dollars to the good, because otherwise you're throwing the beer away. So I thought that was fascinating, and I think that's why the bars may have had more people in it, because the prices changed and were inducing people to come to the bar to get very, very cheap beer. And that might be what happened last night. Uh, I haven't seen the story yet, John, but that might have been what happened in St. Paul. My guess is all the bars uh, were trying to empty their kegs by uh, really, really hacking the price down to to next to nothing. Uh, Let's take a break here. When we come back... We're visiting with Professor John Spry. Economics is applied to COVID and lockdowns uh, for the hour here on the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Cool voiceover. Zany sound effect. We were going to write something flashy about streaming us at Radio.com. But considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple, too. Listen to Business 1440 at Radio.com. If you have an unpaid tax debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-555-88. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-555-88. 800-555-88. That's 800-555-88. Community Tax. Who's your tax guy? Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Is your pressure washer well-maintained and in safe working order? From the burner to the pump, a good pressure washer is designed to work well and be safe to operate. Worn hoses, scale buildup, and unloaders out of adjustment are all safety concerns. 
Give us a call today to find out what we can do for you. Buy local, buy quality. Visit AmericanPressure.com. There's a ton to explore at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, like the biggest savings around at our half-off deals tab. Click on programs to see your daily lineup, win prizes at the VIP fan club, catch up on your favorite podcasts, and more. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. The hour of COVIDnomics is upon you. Your professor today, Professor John Spry, uh, professor of economics at the University of St. Thomas. Um, which campus do you work at, John? You're over at the Minneapolis campus, right? Um, well, this this year I actually am physically teaching on both campuses, and okay. I've done some online teaching too. Yeah, haven't we all? <laughs> Have it, we all. <laughs> it's just how it goes. All right, John. Let's talk about this letter. I will. I will retweet this uh, at, at, in, a, in a moment. Uh, I tweeted it at pound KBRS to our listeners uh, here on the King Bang Show Business fourteen forty, uh, and the letter was from from. Let me go back and make sure I have properly associated this. Hospitality Minnesota. The Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild, uh, which means Chad the Elder will be very interested in this. Uh, the uh, Minnesota Licensed Beverage Association, the Minnesota Events Council. Um, I, I will tell you in, in full disclosure, uh, we have a hospitality and tourism program in the School of Public Affairs here at SCSU. So I know some of these industries and I actually know one of the signers of this, this letter. I do not mean to be critical of this. Uh, uh, it, it, in sort of saying these guys, what's the matter with them? But I wonder if this is the best targeted information, best targeted way of providing assistance to the hospitality industry. John, if we think about it in an economics way, what is the best way for us to assist the hospitality industry? That's and I'll add to that gyms and other places that have been put on a four-week uh, uh, hiatus due to uh, the latest governor's order? Um, well, I don't think I'd want to mess with prices. So uh, delivery is still being allowed. And one of the proposals is that we need to have a price ceiling imposed by government on uh, delivery of uh, 15%. So um, uh, that seems to be uh, kind of a calculus of there are a lot more restaurant owners than owners of delivery businesses. Yep. Um, because that, that, that is a very leaky bucket to try to transfer money from delivery companies to uh, restaurant owners, and it may end up hurting uh, both parts uh, as much as it transfers money from one industry to another. Um, and then they're, they're sort of like, it kind of reminds me of a laundry list. Uh, the way I would think about this is, uh, at least off the top of my head, is to think about like tort law. If somebody does a damage to you, like uh, $5,000 worth of damage to you 
in a parking lot because they hit your parked car while you were in a store, then we know what the damage is, and that seems to be like a way to uh, rectify things. So if the government is hurting the sales of these businesses, um, you might want to come up with an estimate of the damage from the cost, and then the, the argument that would be made would be that we're spreading this damage around we're really hitting these industries. Obviously, uh, like big box stores aren't being uh, hit. Uh, universities aren't having their revenue stream ended. And so we would have kind of general taxation on everybody, including people working for government, education, and big box stores uh, to, to fund this compensation for the damages. Yeah, John, we want to make sure that we say that there's some good ideas in here. For example, I, I the the very last bullet point, which I thought, goodness gracious, you should have just led with this because it's so good, which is create a state tax credit for food donations. There's a lot of inventory that's going to get stuck in the restaurants, and we're not going to give the kegs the, the half the half finished kegs of beer away as a as a donation to a food shelf. But there's lots of other things that could be donated to you know donated food to not just a food shelf uh that goes direct to a household but to uh places like uh like a homeless shelter which we'll get to because we're going to talk about bethesda i think uh in the second half of this this hour um uh but uh there's lots of things that they could do with this just make it a make it a fully refundable tax credit create create a state tax credit I realize that takes an act of uh, an act of the legislature, but I looked at that and my thought was, who says no to that? That just sounds that sounds good. So let me say, right? There are things in this letter that I look at and go, that's a great idea. We must we, we really should do that, okay? But I look at that one that cap on delivery fees and say, no, that's not a good idea. The freeze on commercial evictions on hospitality tenants, I is is basically empowers the restaurants to simply stop paying rent to the to the landlords and that's a transfer of the cost of the close down of the shutdown onto the landlords and away from the restaurant owner not a fan of that one um so we don't think as economists we don't think that those those mechanisms that shift cost onto somebody else are good but things that could just generate some benefit and where we would say, I don't know that we would use the term Pareto optimal, but we would we would say where we don't see a loser here, I think there are some ideas there that might have merit. Um, your your other thoughts on that on what the uh, rest the this, these industries, hospitality industry, has asked Governor Walls to do? Well, uh, I like the discussion of Pareto, and that's the idea. You're trying to make the pie as big as possible. And you're not trying to create uh, unintended consequences. And the first thing on the list that relief should be targeted to distress hospitality businesses, at first glance, that sounds reasonable. But when you take a look and it's saying that uh, it's targeted to businesses that have a sales reduction of 35% or more, I'm really worried that because delivery will be available, this means that some restaurants that maybe with delivery would only lose 25 or 30 percent of their sales if you had a program that that only provides the benefits to to 
companies that lose 35% of their sales, don't you think that's going to actually discourage economic activity as people yeah, try to does. get over that hurdle? Great point. And so that seems poor. That seems uh, poorly designed. Um, and then there's also, obviously, this is restaurants, but you can think about uh, fitness facilities. And the one thing I thought was also an example from our last segment of something poorly designed is we have a blanket shutdown of all the pools and gyms in the state, including college campuses. And Mm -hmm. again, it's an empirical data thing, and I don't have 100% confidence in what I'm saying, but I think I'm right. We may be spreading the virus by closing down the pools and gyms on college campuses, because if we kept the pools and gyms on college campuses open, but just for the people from that college, like the students on campus, that makes the the selling of the idea this week of stay on campus, don't go home because yes. you might spread the virus from one group yes. of people to another group of people, an easier thing. And there, there just isn't a lot of evidence that people going to gyms and pools on college campuses with the same pool, pool, no pun intended, of students and employees of that one university is really spreading the virus. And I'm afraid that we've made it less desirable to stay on campus and that you really have to think through all the ways that people respond to incentives. Yeah, I I, John, I fully agree. And guess guess what? That conversation happened and happened uh, in an in on a on a uh, Zoom call uh, this week uh, here in at SESU, uh, where we are keeping our 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 dining facility open, even though their our dining plan does not include the the Thanksgiving weekend. We're simply keeping it open, and we're going to pay pay our our vendor to to keep feeding our students who stay on campus. There's a a free Thanksgiving dinner being provided to any student on camp who lives on campus or off campus. Show your ID, and you get food. You get you get turkey and all the trimmings. Uh, basically, trying to encourage them to stay. But yes, it would it, would it help if we could have kept the gym open? Absolutely. Um, um, I've actually asked, hey, what about running an esports tournament? Uh, let people uh, play FIFA 21 uh, for uh, for the weekend and have them play in a tournament. Wouldn't that be fun? And maybe that would encourage a few people to stick around too. Um, I, I, th- these are all great ideas, and it's really interesting because it's just that little bit extra. I think the point you're making, John Spry, is is important that that. No matter how much you try, these executive orders end up being blunt instruments that you then have to tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak, uh, which is what we saw last spring. And I think we're going to see it again over the next week or two. We're going to see these tweaks as people go, oh, yeah, you know what? We probably shouldn't be closing the college gyms. And mark my words, it's not going to be because you and I talked about it here on Business 1440, but mark my words, that conversation has gone up to the, gone up to the front lines, and probably has uh, a few uh, university presidents saying, "Are you sure you want to close our gym?" Uh, because right, and um, and 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 for every time you think you've got this figured out, another exception's going to show up. And I think, John, I think the biggest issue here is it erodes the confidence people have in leadership in its government 
because it can't think these things through. It can't because no one has enough information. It's the old Hayekian information problem that you and I have talked about time and again. And 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 the the other thing I've been amazed um, is there are some things where I would like to take have the government be taking more steps. Uh, uh, one of the things we've learned is that the uh, professional sports leagues, particularly the NBA, have learned how to run a bubble to protect people because they had so much money at stake, and that's similar to what you're telling me. St. Cloud State University's doing is if you're a, a big institution like the NBA or St. Cloud State University, you start internalizing some externalities. And even though mm-hmm. a virus is a textbook example of an external cost, because you may impose a huge cost on somebody else by being in contact with them and spreading it to them, um, if you have a large community, St. Cloud State probably is thinking they're saving money by giving the free meals, um, both because um, uh, students aren't going to be at home to bring the virus back home as much from their their home to the campus if they're able to stay. And, and I'm somebody that I looked at it with my family, and I canceled my airplane ticket for Thanksgiving dinner because of the current virus situation. And um, so what I would really love to see us do is to do NBA pro sports style bubbles for our long-term care facilities. Where hang on, can you hang on to that? Can you hang on to yeah, that, John? That'll be we a take great a, we gotta, let's, let's take that. Let's take the break right here and we'll come back and we're going to talk about it. What are we going to do? Long-term care facilities, we're losing maybe 80% of our, I don't know what the percentage is, John. We'll look it up during the break. What what share of our deaths from COVID have been in long-term care facilities? What could we do to do that better? We'll figure that out right after this. We're going to solve all the world's problems here on the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-218-9520. 800-218-9520. That's 800-218-9520. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. 
Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own. Whether it's for your personal system or business, Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. Hey, you know, Christmas is coming. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I already have my toques hung by the chimney with Carrie. Well, I got the best Christmas present for my family this year. I'm going to be the hero. Oh, you always outdo me, and I end up with eggnog on my face. So what are you doing so I can keep up with you, eh? I got one of the brand new Arctic spas from Premier Pool and Spa. They're delivering it next week. This one is all the bells and whistles, the latest technology, so we don't have to do a thing, eh? But relax and enjoy the hot water. Hey, they got a sale going on or anything? They're doing all kinds of deals with the ones on the floor, and they also have a free Christmas light upgrade. Whatever's best for you. Oh, and they can deliver before Christmas? They are still taking orders to build them and deliver them before Christmas. So visit Premier Pool in Chanhassen today. Arctic spas are engineered for the world's harshest climates. You deserve it. PremierPools.com. Premier Pool and Spa, where we take fun seriously, eh? PremierPools.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. This is 1440, the hour of COVIDnomics with Professor John Spry joining me this hour. So we've tried to help people figure out how to run the restaurants. And now we're going to turn our attention to something that's far more concerning to many of us, which is what's happening with our long-term care facilities. Just before the break, John and I talked about, you know, the fact that we create bubbles. Our family is a bubble, uh, and and you can and that's a small one. Some some places have enough ability to create larger bubbles. The NBA or a university campus could be thought of as a bubble. And the question that we left John with uh, was thinking about a long-term care facility and treating it like a bubble. So, John, I'm going to just set that. I hope I've set that up appropriately and have you take it there. And if I didn't, just turn it in whatever direction you want to go. Uh, Yeah. So in keeping with our theme of incremental uh, thinking, marginal thinking, just trying to do a little bit better, what could we tweak? Um, We're getting more testing. Our, my university, the University of St. Thomas, um, had two days of testing that tested just probably under 2,000 people uh, in one week. And so that, that's, that's, that's a lot of testing capacity. We're seeing more, uh, if people aren't familiar with this, um, you can go to the Minnesota Department of Health website, and around the state, more and more sites are opening up. Uh, like at the convention center in Minneapolis, but but in regional centers, um, in rural communities, where you can go and make an appointment on the Internet and get a free test. And what I'd like to see us use our testing capacity for is to create a bubble around our long-term care facilities 
uh, meaning that the people in them, uh, with like kind of following the, the pro sports, they would get tested regularly. And um, they could also, to, to maximize the use of the tests, uh, do something I've talked about with my colleague, Kathy Combs. And she's good at math, so we've talked about some of the math. And um, basically, you get more tests if you do pool testing. So if you test um, maybe 50 people and you run it through the machine and it comes back negative, then you don't have to individually test 49 people. Um, if it does come back positive, then um, you, 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 you subsample. And it's a way of just using math to uh, get you more tests than you physically have, the ability to test more people. And so you could use pool testing that would help expand our capacity and uh, test the long-term care facility, uh, not just the residents, but the workers. And I'd be willing to pay the taxes because this is people's lives, and this seems to be like a really good thing for government to do, um, whether it's using hotels or uh, um, just paying people to live in their basement and not even be near the rest of their family, um, that, that kind of like people going to the Dakotas to work in the oil fields for like a 10-day shift and then having time off, the workers could get tested, uh, make sure that they're not positive. They enter the bubble. We provide them with extra compensation for the hardship of, of being in the bubble. And they might work like longer shifts at the long-term care facility while they're on. They continue to get tested. Everybody in that long-term care facility is part of a regime of sports-like testing. And the idea is if you're like 100, it's getting close to 50-50 if you can survive a COVID-19 infection. Um, These are the people in our society I want to treat with the most protection. And until a uh, a vaccine comes along for the virus, uh, this kind of testing we know it has worked because it's worked in the pro sports. And I think our uh, elderly and disabled are also va- valuable people. And um, it's just thinking, I think we know how to do this. And I think we have the testing capacity. Maybe we couldn't do it to all long-term facilities all at once, but we should be able to be, start rolling this out and announcing we are rolling out bubble protection uh, with with massive testing at our our maybe our biggest long-term care facilities or the ones just the ones that are the highest priority and get it to more and more and this is again kind of thinking at the margin how to do better yes and yeah, I, think I think that would a- be a great a great improvement yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that in fact this is uh, this th- this is probably one of the more frustrating parts parts of this. One of the technologies that we, I mean, we're all focused on vaccines, and that's great. But I, our our focus on testing, I think, has been has been far less rigorous, and there are lessons to learn. I mean, I mean, the NBA example is a good one. 
as I understand it, John, part of the issue there is that the NBA bought these test kits. Indeed, I don't know if you saw this story, but um, the test kits that have been used by the NBA, uh, one of the the owner of the Golden State Warriors, Joe Lacob, offered to the city of San Francisco, we will use that test kit with everybody that comes into our facility. If we can put 50% of people in the seats with social distance and we test them with a 15-minute turnaround time, we will do it for the 36 home games this season, which would have put out, based on my guess, if they filled at 50% capacity, that's offering to do over 300,000 tests of citizens um, on a 15-minute basis. And that's not even doing the pooled example that you've given us. That would have given each one of them their own 15-minute strip, because I don't think they can do the pooled with the strip, as opposed to, like, with a saliva test. Um is it a problem with turnaround time? Is it, is it a technological problem, or is it just an unwillingness to think clearly or trying to figure out who's going to pay for it? Where do you see the barrier being? Because it seems to make so much sense. Um, I've been following Paul Romer on Twitter, uh, the Nobel mm-hmm. Prize winner for economic growth, and he thinks it's sort of a, a breakdown of political institutions, to say it very politely, that are are if our we talk about market failures a lot, there also are political failures or public choice failures, and this seems to be one where um, the the political system probably hasn't worked as well here as it has in say South Korea or Japan. Um, And so I I would say it probably is a public choice failure. Yeah, and that's really a shame because it seems to me that, 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 I mean, they keep reporting the data. I mean, and those of you that have listened a long time to the NAR and remember Scott Johnson long, long ago being one of the original Northern Alliance Radio Network members over at Powerline Blog, uh, uh, Scott has been reporting on the daily briefings given by uh, the Minnesota Department of Health, and I think this, and has always highlighted this particular problem with long-term care facilities. And the numbers, like two-thirds of the deaths that have happened are in long-term care facilities, even though they probably represent about 20% of the infections. Uh, 20%, probably probably a much smaller number, that maybe 10%. But, but you know, it's just so deadly to go through there. So why not focus on that particular space and flood the zone of long-term care facilities with this this testing technology that we know works? It 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 it, it kind of doesn't. Uh, it, you know, it kind of doesn't work. And I I note Don just to, uh, put, tweeted uh, at Twitter to both of us. It's not the residents; it's the staff. Well, same happened with the NBA. Right. Uh, and the easy and the easy that's staff. Those are players. It's also the, the, the workers who are working in the hotels and they all were in the NBA because it was in their financial interest to do so. Gave them all the daily testing. It's not the technology that's the problem. OK. And I wanted John to say it because I didn't want to be the one to say it. It's not a technological problem. It's a it's a who's going to pay problem. It's a political will problem. It's a public choice problem. John, let's take one more break. We'll be back to finish up the hour of COVIDnomics with Professor John Spry from the University of St. Thomas. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. 
Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex I'm Staff Steven. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I'm proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And of I'm proud to serve in the United and States. And I am Air proud Air. to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. Think you can't afford life insurance? Think again. You might be surprised at how affordable it can be. 80% of Americans overestimate the cost of life insurance. Maybe it's time to swap a few small expenses for some big peace of mind. Life insurance can protect what matters most, and it's the right thing to do. Let's talk today. For details, contact Pamela McCarthy, agent at the Pam McCarthy Agency, Inc. Call 651-460-3333. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin, 53783. Daily headlines, investing guidance, and insightful financial discussion are just a tap away with our free mobile app. Simply search for Business 1440 in the App Store, and in seconds, you'll be connected with the brightest minds in business and investing. Cool voiceover. Zany sound effect. We were going to write something flashy about streaming us at Radio.com. But considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple, too. Listen to Business 1440 at Radio.com. Well, that's an interesting choice. King Banyan Show, Business 1440. Wyatt going a little... That's that's an interesting stretch. <laughs> anyway, we're visiting during the hour of COVIDnomics with uh, Professor John Spry from the University of St. Thomas. John and I were both trained uh, in graduate school in public finance. Uh, and um, John writes in the field. I really don't. My work's always been in that intersection between fiscal and monetary policy and how fiscal policy affects uh, the, the central bank. Um, and that's not that. And John has been more of a traditional uh, uh, public finance guy. So I wanted to get him on for the also for this particular question. Yesterday, John Delaney, 
uh, former congressman, uh, serial entrepreneur, uh, pretty rich guy. Um, actually, I think he was, if I remember right, he was like a second tier candidate for president in 2020 that, you know, made, made a little bit of noise in 2019 and disappeared from the scene even before the first primary. Um, post this tweet, pay everyone $1,500 to get the vaccine. It's a stimulus check and a big vaccine incentive rolled into one. Uh, result, more people get vaccine. It saves lives, helps people financially, and the $400 billion pays for itself with economic boost from ending the pandemic. Retreat, if you agree, vaccine stimulus. John, when I took public finance from Craig Stubblebine at Claremont back in the early 1980s, he was my professor, and I still, I still revere uh, Professor Stubblebine. Um, he used to give us that, uh, a case, and I think it's taught in most public finance classes, where you've got, you're on an island with a deadly virus running through, and you have a limited number of vaccines to distribute. That's going to be our situation in December, assuming that FDA approves this vaccine, and I still don't get why it takes three weeks. But what's the best way to get the vaccine out there? Should we, should we use uh, stimulus checks to do that? Should we just make sure that the healthcare workers get done first? I saw a suggestion in the Wall Street Journal that teachers should get done right after the healthcare workers so we can get the kids back to school. As an economist who thinks at the margin, what's the best answer for distributing particularly the first 100 million doses of the vaccine? Um, well, the one thing I know about this vaccine is most of these vaccines are two doses. So to get the, the Im- Im- immune response, you have to get the vaccine. And I think there is, uh, for at least the Pfizer one, I believe uh, several weeks that you're going to have to wait to get the second one. I think it's four, uh, John. Four weeks. Um, so four right. Weeks, yes. So, um, uh, uh, you, you have this problem of uh, you, you have to match these up. Um, one of the things that maybe comes up in the class is uh, do you use a price mechanism to allocate the, the uh, vaccines? And also one, one of the things with receiving the uh, – because I think what, what Delaney is thinking about is there's an external benefit. If you get vaccinated uh, and it's effective, it doesn't just protect you. Uh, but with all externalities, it's a mutual problem. It's one person has some action that affects another person. So once I'm vaccinated, I'm protected, but people I come into contact with are protected. But even more, if I, re- if I remember the math right, people I don't physically come into contact with receive a benefit from me being vaccinated because of the way it reduces the spread of the virus or maybe keeps them from getting it altogether because I would have potentially spread it to somebody I was in contact with who would have then spread it to somebody else. It's like a a chain reaction. And by having people vaccinated, uh, it's like uh, control rods of carbon to stop a chain reaction. Um, So you could use a price. But I have to say, um, the other thing is the people who get it first, they may be like, ooh, I get it first, I get that benefit. I like reserving the, the, any payment for getting vaccinated to people that are getting it sort of towards the end of the vaccine list. And that, ha- that, that actually acts as a price 
just like you could charge a really high price and say, we, these vaccines are scarce, we're going to charge $1,000 to get them now. Another way, and I, I, I never had this in my class, so you can tell me if I'm wrong, is in the current situation, one way to implicitly charge a, a price to get the vaccine early is to say, look, the people that have to wait and are in, are in the last half of people getting a vaccine, uh, when those vaccines are made for you, then we'll give you a payment both to encourage you to get the vaccine, but also as compensation because you didn't get it in the first tier. Because if they got a positive, if they if they got COVID, they wouldn't come in for the vaccine, so they would not get the check. Oh, or, or John, oh, that's what, what, what are, <laughs> I actually like that. <laughs> um. So I, 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 I'm, I'm doing this on the fly, and I never did are. this, and I did ne- never did this problem in class. But I, oh. I would think the way I would do it is, um, and with part of the Operation Warp Speed, and uh, economists like Alex Tabarak at Marginal Revolution, and a whole group of economists were doing, I think, a heroic service by saying very early on, let's have the government pay all the vaccine manufacturers to ramp up the supply chain of the vaccine, even if it doesn't get approved, because we'd rather have, I'm just making up numbers, 10 inventories of as much vaccine ready to go, even if it turns out eight of them are busts like the Herschel Walker trade, and only two of them are, are good picks like John, thanks so star. much. We got to go. Thank you for thank you for your time today. Stay on the line for us. I want to talk to you after the show. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. King Bang. The show. Business VIP Club and New American Funding want to pay your mortgage next year. This is Tom Matiney from New American Funding, and I'm excited to be the sponsor of the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Contest. If you win, we'll pay your mortgage or rent for all of next year. That's extra money to take a family vacation, put in a pool, or help a friend in need. Enter once a day from now through December 20th at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle from the Business VIP Club and me, Tom Matiney, at New American Funding. Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you will receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. Remember, forever cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep. 
I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No, no wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. How do you define strength? Is it physical? Or is it mental? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's whatever empowers a person to dig deeper, fight harder, and overcome obstacles that once seemed insurmountable. Discover how much stronger and more confident your children can be. Encourage them to participate in a sport when they go to high school. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administration.